So on one of the very first days I was press secretary for the governor, I got a call from a reporter. And uh, she asked me a question, and I didn't, I didn't know the answer. So I decided to take the day, talk to people uh, throughout the office, and, and get a response for her by the time her deadline rolled around. So I did that, talked to some policy people, talked to some folks in the legislative office. Uh, it was an issue about legislation, if I remember. And I got the position of the governor, and I was excited. I was going to call her back, and it was going to be one of the first interviews I ever did. Um, I called her back, and I said, I've got an answer. I gave her the answer, and she stopped for a second, and she said, Matt, that is the dumbest thing I have ever heard, but I'll write it down. And I said, wait a minute. Is this the way this is supposed to work? Well, today on the Cold Oatmeal Podcast, we talk with someone who might be able to help answer that question. Over the last few years, Anna Heaton has been press secretary for the governor of the state of Michigan. She's recently left her post for a job in the private sector. And we talked with her today about having arguably the highest profile PR job in the state. You're listening to the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. Are we recording a new intro this season? Why? I'm just wondering. Are you saying that you've had enough of Sarah Humbry? No, 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 no. I, mean, I, I love Sarah. I would like to be a part of the intro. I think that right. would be nice. Well, why don't we work that little line in? That was good. Yeah. I'll, I'll find a spot for it. Welcome to Cold Oatmeal, a podcast by the Rush Strategies team about PR and public affairs. Really. I was distracted staring at Joe's Cold Oatmeal. Yeah, well, it's here. He's got it on his, it's on his it's always here. It's always here. And by the way, the, the, the ratio of the fruit to disgusting, like 1 to 10. It's got some disgusting stuff in some fruit. There's nothing disgusting. One part fruit. What's, what, what in there is disgusting? I don't even know what's in it, but it, it looks like cucumber mash. Maybe a couple of chopped apples. Did you have Burger King for breakfast? What was your? <laughs> Welcome back to the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. Uh, my name is Matt Resch, owner of Resch Strategies. Uh, we are a public relations and a public affairs firm based in uh, sunny today, downtown Lansing, Michigan. Um, we are delighted to have on our program today uh, someone who has probably at least until last week, the highest profile public relations job probably in the entire state. Uh, we're going to talk to the former press secretary for Governor Rick Snyder. But before we do that, I wanted to go around the room and let my colleagues say hello. Start over here. Hi, this is Nikki O'Mara. Stephanie Vancouvering. Nick DeLue is here. Joe Beshi. So... As always, want to open with uh, a thanks to Pete Mowry and Brian Western of Western and Mowry who help us out with the music. You can find their music at westernandmowry.com and Nick Piazza at nickpiazza.com. Both of them have uh, supplied music for us to use and we're always grateful for that. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. You can also find this podcast on iTunes and if you are an iTunes listener, um, please go on there and give us a review. Uh, Post some stars. That's always helpful in the world of iTunes. And uh, we'll get on with it here. So Anna Heaton is going to be is with us today. New job starting this just two days ago, right? Yesterday. Yesterday was my official first day. Vice President of Marketing Communications for Business Leaders of Michigan. Also a proud client of ours. So happy to happy to have <laughs> you with us. Thanks. Uh, Anna was a former communications aide for Speaker of the House Jace Bolger as well as uh, for former Congresswoman Candace Miller before joining the communications office of Governor uh, Rick Snyder. So thanks for being here. 
Thanks for having me. This is great. Have you gotten used to not having your phone ring off the hook nonstop all, all hours of the day in the, the four days since you've left? No, I very much have phantom phone syndrome where I'm like reaching <laughs> for it to check it and I'm like, I don't think it's working. I don't have any emails or texts. So it's going to take some adjusting. I can I can relate that the, the moments when those phone calls stop it's it's both a relief and I was like wait a minute no one wants to talk to me anymore right no one needs me <laughs> that's right sad so is the press secretary job of the governor the kind of the job you always looked at as like that's that's the job I want uh, like or is it I think a lot of people will will look at a press secretary job and like that that's the pinnacle of a PR person's career how did you how did you take it it is the pinnacle it's you know that's what you aspire to be when you're working in PR, especially political communications. And so I think I've peaked and it's all just going to be downhill. (laughs) (laughs) Peaked very early. (laughs) Nothing to look forward to. No, I'm, it was, it's an, an incredible honor. It's so much work and it is not a job you can do forever or even probably for like five years. Well, (laughs) for for three of us who have been press secretaries, we can say there is life. There is life after the press secretary role. (laughs) I can't say how good the life is, but there is life. There is life. It's better. better. Kind of depends on who who you were doing the job for, as you talk about whether it was better or not better, (laughs) right? It may may in my case in particular, yes. Um. So give us a, a look into what the day in the life of the governor's community press secretary communications department is like, you know, walk through what you and Ari and your colleagues do on a day-to-day basis. So we always start out with a plan, you know, whether it's an office day where we have different meetings scheduled to keep up on what's going on legislatively, um, initiatives that we're going to be putting out that the governor is working on or events, you know, anything from like a ribbon cutting business grand opening to, um, you know, something like the vice president coming to town. So there's always a plan. There's always a calendar. And I would say three or four days a week that all gets blown up and thrown out the window by like 9 or 10 a.m. So we have a full staff. You know, we have digital media. We have social media. We have people who write and answer the phone. Uh, But it's a really lean team. We had seven people. And so we're both proactive and reactive. So whatever is happening in the news that day, um, you know, not just in Michigan, but with the president, even international affairs, we are reacting to almost everything that happens on a daily basis. And so sometimes our message gets thrown out and sometimes we are able to stick to it. So there is no normal day. What you, what, what, what has to happen for you to say, okay, this is a day where we can't stick to, we had the grand plan for this day, but we're at the point now we're, we're on someplace else. And how that point when you kind of give up and go with the flow or stick, try to stick with, with the what you want to do for the day. Yeah, so we just look for the news hole. You know, that's what any good communications person does. And anything, there's something that's blowing up in D.C. or here. Um, it, you know, I say it's old-fashioned. It's not really old-fashioned, but watching Twitter. You know, if it's something that every Capitol Press reporter is tweeting about and everyone is calling about, we know quickly, okay, we're not going to get our message out today. We need to revamp and start over tomorrow. I was going to ask you about that, about social media in particular, because when I, when I was in the governor's office, I, I will make myself sound like I'm 73 years old. <laughs> um, but I was there when um, the Michigan office to develop our first website to post press releases, uh, post yeah. our press releases on the website existed and was created. And we were the guinea pigs to be the first people ever to post. Was that on Angel Fire? <laughs> Geocities. Something called the internet. (laughs) (laughs) It was the yeah. The internet's came along, and we're like, we should post something on. It would take hours to post things on there, and they gave us the Gov's communications office was the guinea pig. So, the idea of having to follow something called Twitter, um, or Facebook, or other things like that, 
how attuned are you to that on a you know on a day-to-day basis are you watching that or are people watching it for you we watch it constantly um again it just depends on what kind of meetings we have going on or if we're on the road um but we're always keeping track 24 7 of what, what else is happening in the rest of the state and what could potentially blow up or throw our plans off for the day and so how do you decide or how how did you decide okay this is something that you anna will be responding to directly or we need to reach out to the reporter or i'm going to tweet back at this person how has that changed the interaction between you and reporters one of the things i think that has changed is we are expected to react to absolutely everything you know things that are very outside of the governor's purview or that really would be affecting even residents of the state that day um the 24-hour news cycle has really contributed to that so i remember we had one really busy day i think it was um the legislature was here for a short session and we had a number of things going on and I had a reporter call and ask for the governor's comments on Brexit and I said, well, I don't, I don't think we're going to be commenting on that today. You know, we have a lot going on and they said, well, I'm not, I'm not leaving you alone until you give me a comment on what Brexit means to the state of Michigan. And I'm like, well, I'm probably going to have to look into that a little bit. Like, we don't know yet. It's <laughs> happening at this moment. So, and again, everything the president does, you know, the governor has his own agenda and his own way of governing and while it certainly grabs headlines every single day, it doesn't always affect what we're doing. So that is um, frustrating in a way because we are expected to respond to absolutely everything that happens in the world. And sometimes the governor doesn't have a response because he's busy doing things here in Michigan that are important. Have you ever talked to any reporter? It strikes me that that is a, a huge burden on the people whose job it is to respond to reporter questions. But I have to think that it was a lot less stressful to be a reporter when there were a couple stories a day that they knew they had to go cover, they could put, they could file their story and be done for the day. But they're tried just as trapped in trying to respond to and and report on these things as as you are having to respond. Yes, when you have to get a story up right away, you know, four or five times a day instead of once or twice a day, it certainly influences how they do their jobs as well as how we do ours. So you, uh, I mentioned you worked with uh, the speaker in the in the legislature. Yeah, talk about the differences or maybe the similarities between doing your PR job for the legislative body versus the executive branch in the governor's office? Yeah, it actually is a world of difference. The priorities were the same, but uh, when I worked in the House, we had 63 members in our caucus who were sometimes aligned and sometimes not. And of course, they all have their own districts and their own constituency that are made up of very different groups of people. So I kind of you know, Jace was my boss, but really I felt like I had 63 bosses sometimes. And then going to one was kind of wonderful. (laughs) 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 Um, But equally, you know, busy, drinking from a fire hose every day, a million different issues. And that's what I liked about both jobs is you never work on the same thing two days in a row. You learn something new every single day. It really is just incredible how much has been accomplished in the past eight years, um, how many different policies have come across that I was able to help shape the messaging for in some small way. Um, Jace is just a get-it-done, common-sense kind of person, just like the governor, and he was a really good mentor for um, looking to a leader who just is like, let's get this done and move on. This may be hard to ask four days after being gone, but if you th- <laughs> if you think back, you mentioned how every day is different and you learn something different every day. When you think about your your experience and knowledge as a PR practitioner, is there a single biggest lesson or surprise that, you, that you've taken away from your time doing this job for the governor, thing that you've learned about the industry and the way this all works? Uh, I would say not overreacting. Um, 
is I have never seen overreacting to a situation help a PR person do their job and do it efficiently and help a client or, you know, in my case, the governor. Um, and also what a crisis actually is. I mean, in the governor's office, we went through probably the worst government public relations crisis in Michigan history, if not, you know, Midwest national history. So again, just saying, okay, here's a problem. We're going to fix it and sitting down to come up with steps as to how to do that. Um, and knowing what is a crisis and what isn't to being able to differentiate and kind of triage that I think is the biggest lesson I'll be taking away. Well, and everyone on the outside is is telling you it's a crisis, and you're trying to figure out if they're if they're right or not. It's yes. like, is this really a crisis? Well, and working for the governor is interesting because you also have you know 20 different departments that have their own set of crises or what they think is a crisis, or maybe what they don't think is a crisis, and you maybe think it is. So it's a constant um, battle of figuring out what to address and when, because there isn't just one. Sometimes there are a ton. So. So how do you handle the stress of all that? It's, you sound like you must be a person that either handles stress well naturally or you found a really good way to deal with it. Is I think I'm just a calm person by nature. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I think that that's something you can't learn or teach. Mm-hmm. Um, you can definitely refine it. And, you know, I'm not the greatest at managing stress, um, but I just think there's no problem too big to be handled and you just got to move on and... That's that was always the governor's thing, you know, relentless positive action. Mm-hmm. Like, don't let it get you down. Just take one day at a time. She's on message. She yeah. Is. <laughs> yeah. Still, so how involved, you know, different governors have different styles and some of them are far more involved in crafting their own messages than in others and may even overrule their public relations staff or spokespeople when needed. How involved was Governor Schneider? Uh, he was pretty involved in... Um, you know, we knew what we were doing and why we were doing it. And so he would give us direction and then we would kind of run with it and then come back for final sign off. So he, I mean, if you talk to him, you know that he is pretty good at staying on message because he believes in what he's doing and he doesn't often let reporters take him to negative places. Um, so he's pretty involved. You know, he, he isn't a politician and that can be a good thing and a bad thing. Um, but he again, just his belief in what he was doing always made him confident in what he was saying. So what was your best day? Oh my gosh, my best day. Um, Well, I got to meet Justin Trudeau last Friday, so... That's that's, a good day. He's dreamy. He is so much more dreamy in person than I even could have imagined. Um, Obviously, it was a huge accomplishment that Bridge was eight years in the making for the governor, even more than that for other people who have wanted to get it done. So that was huge, huge, huge. Um, My best day. I think my favorite day, and it actually wasn't technically working for the governor. I was still with Jace, but was the Detroit bankruptcy bill signing. Um, That was something where... When the governor first called Jace and said, kind of, I have this idea, we're going to save Detroit, and Jace kind of said, well, that sounds awesome, but I don't think that's going to happen in this caucus. <laughs> and so taking that from, like, a place of probably not going to happen to one by one people coming around and believing in that plan and then going to Detroit all the time for work with the governor and seeing what a huge difference it has made in the city and the state and the excitement that's there um, that was a great day because it just shows that if one person believes in something like that, fixing a problem that's been a problem for 40 years can happen, then I think anything can happen in this state. So that was my proudest moment. Good. Have you seen any um, 
going back to what you're talking about, how the, the governor stays positive, stays on message um, in times that are pretty negative right now. I'm curious, have you seen, whether it's your own personal interaction or, the, or your work with reporters, any, the attitude between the public relations staff and reporters change over the last two and a half years where from really going back to the presidential campaign and kind of the, the advent of the fake news phrase and the kind of there's always been an adversarial relationship between spokesperson and, and reporter but it's it's gotten it's i think at a point now where it's it's laid bare and very open mm-hmm. does it make it harder to work with reporters have you experienced anything uh in dealing with reporters in your own um your own life that you can see it pulling from this kind of new reality I think, well, again, it's hard because with Flint, you know, that was our own crisis and it wasn't necessarily to do with the presidential administration. But yes, um, our Capitol Press Corps is phenomenal to work with. You know, they get it. They know what's going on. They know how to report accurately. Uh, with some of the um, out-of-state media that came in and regional media, specifically to deal with the Flint crisis, um, I noticed that they were always very accusatory in nature you know they knew what was going on they weren't going to let you tell tell you um let you tell them otherwise they had a story to write and they were going to write it and you could add a comment at the end if you wanted and i think even our press corps here in michigan was really frustrated with them because you know it's the whole fly-in story like we know what's going on we're going to put it on 6 p.m news tonight and then we're going to leave and you're going to deal with it so that is something that i had not experienced before where rather than you know someone calling and asking what's going on and then can you give me a comment it was just no my story's done give me a comment right now um so that has been definitely a shift do you remember the first story where you were ever quoted the first time you ever saw your name in print (laughs) no is that terrible (laughs) (laughs) terrible. (laughs) um we did have a rule in the house for Jace, I was Ari's backup because, of course, he was the press secretary. Anytime he went on vacation, something bad happened. It <laughs> just the way it works. It is absolutely how it works. You know, I was not really on the record. I was behind the scenes messaging, and yet every time he left, something would blow up, and I would have to go, you know, not just be quoted, but like, sometimes go on TV and on the radio. Um, but I, I don't remember. I'm sure it was in MERS or something. I probably have it framed in the back of a closet somewhere. <laughs> I do remember my quote of the day, though. Ooh, the it was. Brandon Dillon wanted to read an entire bill on the House floor, and it was like 9 p.m. or something like that. And people were very frustrated. People were hangry. And, you know, Kyle was at the, the press desk, and he said, what do, what do you think of this? Should we do this? And I said, ain't nobody got time for that. Nice. Cultural reference. Yeah. You know, not mm-hmm. really applicable today, but I, I thought I made it at that point. Right. Yeah. I've never understood why, and we should have, maybe we could have Kyle on to ask him about this, why they have kind of buried the quote of the day in their website. Because that was by far the, the thing that everyone wanted to know if they got it. And I think that they've kind of done themselves a bit of a disservice because they, they buried it now. It's not as easy to go go find. Yeah. It used to be that thing that everyone was trying to dying to go get. But Are, are you a one-time winner? Or have you have you won oh it my since? Gosh. I've won it since, and I I think it was something to do with the energy bill a couple of years ago. Matt, you've got one. I think or do I've got you have a two? Few. Quotes of the day. Quotes of the day. I, I don't want to sound pompous. I've got like I've got quite a few. <laughs> like thirty eight. <laughs> thirty eight. <laughs> I have more than I can count. You're the yes. undisputed champ. Okay. 
Does anybody? But else most have of them, most of those don't really count. No, I used to capture when I was a MERS reporter. I used to capture the okay. quotes of the day. So technically, <laughs> I have dozens. Right. <laughs> See, I don't. Most of them don't count because I, 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 I break them up into two categories. So, like when they do the, the, the pundit pieces and they send out the questions to people. If you've got six hours to sit there at your desk and write an answer back, you better come up with something quotable. Um, and <laughs> so I don't, I got plenty that way, cheating my way to, to quotes of the day that way. It's the ones that come off the cuff, like like on the house floor at nine o'clock that are the ones that are, are the nice ones. All right. Yep. Have you had, what's, have you had an, oh my God, they printed that moment? Like I, like either I didn't say that or I said that and I can't believe they printed that. I don't think so. One time Zach Gorchow printed all my like ums and uh, <laughs> like, I don't know. Thanks, Zach. Zach. It's nothing I know. but trouble. But no, I mean, I, I try to use my filter and um, be RPA. So <laughs> I, I, th- I like to think I've always been on message for the most part. Yeah. Mm. And now you've traded one nerd for a bucket of nerds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is there a uh, a common messaging theme that you're you're going to be able to deliver in the same way as relentless positive action? Well, our messaging. I mean, is I mean, hit us with the preview here. What are you, what are we working on? Yeah, so lame duck is coming up, so that'll still be in my life a little bit. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's going to be a huge transition with not just a new governor but a new legislature. And so I think there will be some education as to here's why we did this, here's why it's worked, and here's why we didn't do this or why we tried it and it didn't work. Um, I think infrastructure is going to be a huge issue, especially with the building of the bridge and the need for engineers and talent. So a lot of that will carry over from the governor's office, especially the talent piece, keeping people in Michigan, of course. Um, So, yeah, nothing super exciting or mind-blowing at this point. Do you have advice you would be, if you had to leave a post-it note on your desk for the person who comes after you, what would you, what would in the post-it note say? <laughs> Run. Take vacations. <laughs> <laughs> Something I never learned how to do. Um, yeah, just triage, 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 triage. You have to break apart the day and deal with what's important first or your whole day will get away from you focusing on one problem and then it'll be 9 p.m. and you have to start over again at 7 a.m. How about your, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm standing here moment. Like a time when you were, that your job took you to a place that you never thought in a million years you would be. Well, I went on two European trade missions with the governor. And of course, when people hear that you are going to Paris with the governor, they think your life is so glamorous, you're like on a movie. And it is, I'm so grateful for those opportunities, but oh my gosh, it is I mean, you know he keeps a crazy pace already. It's like un- unlike anything I've ever experienced in terms of a work trip. Um, you take an overnight flight, and then you start immediately when you get there. There's no sleeping, a little bit of bathing maybe, um, <laughs> no eating, and you just go. And we went to the Paris Air Show, which was a huge deal for uh, the aerospace industry and the supply chain here for a few days. Uh, this was last year, 2017. And I remarked to someone after three days, we've been in Paris for three days and I haven't seen the Eiffel Tower even from <laughs> like the road. <laughs> like I, I had not um, figured out where it was yet. So um, it, being over there and seeing how the governor interacts with businesses who are interested in pursuing opportunities in Michigan was, again, just, you know, I know that he had a background in business, but I had never seen him kind of in a sales pitch. And so seeing that side of him was really invaluable and made me see how um, we've been able to come so far and turn the state around because of how he talks to people and relates to them. 
So being over there and seeing him bringing that business home to Michigan, I thought was a pretty cool moment. Okay. Did you get to see the Eiffel Tower or not? I eventually did get to see the Eiffel Tower. I could not (laughs) leave without seeing it. Was it all it's cracked up to be? I didn't go to the top, (laughs) but yes, from afar, it was definitely all it's cracked up to be. Well, I appreciate you coming by in this busy first week in your new job. Yeah. Congratulations on that. And Thanks for congratulations on your time uh, in the governor's office uh, as press secretary to Rick Steiner. Anna Heaton has been with us on the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. We'll be right back. talking about the fastest turnaround time for our our conversation oh you guys i started watching seinfeld what do you think i like it it's funny we've only gotten through the first season so far (laughs) Uh, (laughs) okay we'll just make sure and then we'll let nikki start that again okay start that over again (laughs) hey guys tell me how much you liked it Do I really have to start over? No, just go. Okay. Uh, but this is all going to be in there. <laughs> oh, okay. So anyway, uh, it so. was really good. <laughs> I, have you you just good started story. picking up episodes on TBS or somebody? No, it's you a on DVD? it's on Hulu. Okay. Um, Are so you starting season one? Yes. Episode one. Yes. So I think there's only about five episodes in the first season. So we got through those, and so now we got to get to season two, etc. But. Yeah, it's really good. I didn't love, I don't love the cutting. I think in the first episode, they, they're in the episode, and then they cut to his stand-up, and then they keep going back and forth. Oh, that's And I think they get rid of that after they a while. Do. Eventually, all you didn't see love the, that. the stand-up is during the end credits. Right. But so. it, was, it took a couple seasons before they After got a while, it's gone completely, like, yeah. mm-hmm. towards, towards the very end. Yeah. It's probably a good thing. But I like it so far. Nice. You'll uh, like it more than Turning the corner. Yeah. I was watching uh, reruns of The Office last night, which I haven't watched in years. And it was it was awesome. But it's even better better now because I just got done watching Jack Ryan yeah. on Netflix. And so Jim Halpert is Jack Ryan. <laughs> right. And it's funnier now knowing him as Jack Ryan because you, you picture him as CIA agent working at Dunder Mifflin. See, I don't think I would because when I watched Jack Ryan, I kept seeing him as Jim Halpert. Yeah. Yeah. See, it got me. I got past that pretty quick, but now it's even funnier now knowing that there's a secret agent working yeah. at Dunder Mifflin. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good show too. There are a couple of those shows that that just really stand up even after the test of time. Um, Frasier is always funny. Seinfeld's great. Everybody loves Raymond for some reason. Always tickles me too. It's Gary Shandling's show. That's I've never, never. I've never watched that one, and I know I need to. That's um, a really funny show. Yeah. What haven't you watched? Everyone loves Raymond. No, the Gary Shandling show. Oh, I don't. I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's really, it's really funny. He, um, it used to be on HBO. It was an I HBO think. show. HBO. Yeah. Oh, Back in the yeah. Day. Okay. Yeah. Really, I think I was in high school when it was on. Oh. I have some on DVD. Okay. Because that's that's my sad <laughs> life. I still have a DVD player. It's fine. <laughs> so Nick, what three three of the five of us have been 
spokespersons, press secretaries at some point in yeah. our lives. Do you have a defining memory of your life as a spokesperson? <laughs> I have an, yeah, a defining memory of my life is, yeah, I do. I, am I, I don't know if I'm, if I should share it. Or well, not. maybe share, I mean, share whatever you want, but it can be a good story. I can add, <laughs> I can add bleeps in later if you want to like have names redacted. It's either that or we have to listen to Jotes talking about his Fleetwood Mac concert. I, <laughs> Did you see Fleetwood Mac? I did. <gasps> Was it good? I'm so jealous. <laughs> oh, <are we> I've <laughs> been yeah. saved. Was it good? It was really good. Yeah, it was really good. Are, are, you, we are you a Stevie Nicks fangirl? I'm a Fleetwood Mac fangirl. Well, why didn't you go? I didn't know that was a thing that yeah, was they happening. Were, they were in. They were at Van Andel. <laughs> she was too busy watching oh, Seinfeld. Man. Well, I'm seeing Elton John this weekend. So yeah, no, I'm jealous because they, the, they had the little like him. Yeah. banners for him. I'm like, man, I should have bought tickets He's in this. GR, too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're seeing it in Detroit. Him in Detroit. But yeah. Anyway, sorry. Continue right, your next. story. <laughs> Stephanie, how about you? Do you have a memorable spokesperson moment? I do, and it could never happen today. Because like you, I'm like early internet adoption times. And um, there was a time when I was working at the Treasury Department, and we had... Uh, document that was foyable totally subject to the freedom of information act anybody could get it and um the senior staff at the department decided that they weren't going to give it out even though it was public information and so peter luke um it was it was a bad moment it was not a good moment um and i remember being on the phone with peter luke from booth newspapers who's like this is foyable i'm just going to get it so why don't you save time and give it to me now? Don't you want to have a good relationship with me? And I was, what, like all of 24 and thinking, I do want to have a good relationship <laughs> with you, and I, but I can't give it to you. Why not? Because <laughs> I had absolutely, and it was sort of like a Cindy Brady staring at the red light on the camera moment. I had nothing to say, and I, I will never forget. And I, I made it a point after that, because that was one of my first days on the job. And I made it a point after that, always, 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 to know what I was saying and to be able to stick to it. Because sometimes, I think as spokespeople, we find ourselves in bad positions based on decisions that are not of our own making. And it... You have to be ready. You have to be able to defend whatever that decision is, even if it costs you. And I think we saw that in the Flint water crisis where somebody was carrying messages and little more <laughs> and ended up suffering consequences as a result. Well, and Anna didn't talk about it at great length, but she did mention it a little bit. But you know, there are people who were press who were press folks who were caught up in that because of comments they said, but also people like her who were having to answer for decisions that were made in other departments at other times. Yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll give you a, a good story from a time where I wasn't an official spokesperson, but I was sort of an unofficial spokesperson a bunch of years ago. You guys remember the Reform Michigan Government Now proposal that yes. Mark Brewer and the Michigan Democrats have been pushing? When is this? This is 2008, 2010, something like that. And uh, it was a mass, it was a monstrosity um, of a proposal. It was like, it, you had to take your, petition and you had to unfold it and then unfold it and unfold it again. Um, and, and I was traveling around the state speaking to people about this proposal and telling them why it was bad. 
and uh, I, I had the, the good fortune of hanging out with my buddy Tim Skubik and doing Off the Record um, one time uh, to talk about this proposal. And the, the line from the supporters had been that this really isn't that big a deal. This is just a needed reform. It only tweaks a couple of things. Um, but sort of in, in line with what Steph was talking about, I, I had taken the point of really preparing um, and doing my homework on this, and, and I brought a copy of the proposal with me. And so on camera, I was able, to, as they were offering their talking points while they were talking, to pull it out of my jacket and unfold it on television as they're talking and lay it out on the table. And it just sort of carried that, that program. Um, there was no more <laughs> sort of back and forth at that point. Um, the point had been made. So that was, a, that was a shining moment for me that I look back on sort of unofficial spokesperson time, and um, I was pretty proud of that one. What a cool oh. customer. Yeah. 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 It wasn't a MERS quote of the day, but it was oh, yeah. it was a nice moment. Well, you know, yeah. you know, I do Those have to say that is that is really good, and I also do need to follow up on my story and say that I do not have a good relationship with Peter Luke. I was going <laughs> to ask. I was going to ask you if he hated you. No, we we did work together, but I don't even know where he is now. You and know, if I had a good relationship with him, I would. I just got a text message today from someone asking me if I knew where Peter Luke was. Really? Yeah. So Peter, if you're listening, <laughs> yeah, reach call out to me. us. Tell you, us where you tweet are. us at Rush Strategies. Yeah. What about you? I, I there are a lot of moments I can remember. Probably, I made the transition in the opposite direction that Anna did, and I went from the governor's office to the legislature. And I think it was maybe my very first day, maybe first or second day, when I was working for the Speaker of the House, that they had before I had gotten there, uh, the folks who were doing fundraising for the Speaker, um, political fundraising had decided to change the approach and that the approach had always been up until that point do a big huge cattle call dinner everybody buys a ticket and 300 people show up at you know a banquet hall and and have their big fundraising dinner well the feedback had been those that's too big it's too big so instead of doing that let's do a bunch of small dinners and so a letter was written from the speaker to all the people who give money that basically said, you know, normally your organizations would give, I don't remember the, I think it was $50,000, $50,000 to political campaigns over the course of a year. And you would do that at this big dinner. But we're, we're going to do it differently this year, and we're going to have a small dinner, and it's just going to be you. So if you'd like, you could spend your $50,000 and have dinner with the speaker. And so someone took that letter and gave it to the Detroit News. And the front page of the Detroit News was, for $50,000, you can have dinner with the speaker. And so that was, that was literally my first day working for the speaker, which that was, I could deal with that. That was fine. But I think it was Drew and Mike mm -hmm. radio show down in Detroit. Mm -hmm. I, I came into my cubicle, and I, I didn't even know what my phone number or my voicemail was yet. <laughs> but I picked up my phone, and there's a voicemail on the phone from the radio show. Right. And they're calling me on, on air, air. Yeah. <laughs> saying, hey, because they saw my name in the paper. I was like, hey, Matt, we're calling up. We, we, we don't have 50 grand, but we, we, pulled, we got like a couple thousand dollars together. Could we like maybe have coffee with the speaker? <laughs> and like, I, there were like 10 messages on my voicemail where they called me. And left messages for for me. Hey Matt, I'm trying, still trying to get hook up with the, <laughs> with the speaker. You know, we got a little more money now. Can we do this? I'm like, what have I what have I signed on to? That's awesome. Yeah. Did you ever call him back? 
No, but I did answer the phone once. I was there once when they called. Uh-huh. So and I just I hung, <laughs> I hung up. <laughs> Have you ever been on Drew and Mike? No. No. Okay. Are they still on the air? They're they were gone, off, they? and they were on. I, I think they're on still. I, no. I did get on the air once when I was in the governor's office, and this was before I was a press person. Um, a local radio show called the Constituent Service Line and started asking me questions about a policy from the governor and didn't call the communications office. That was a no-no. They got in trouble for that. But Yeah. I thought I was going to get fired. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, good times. Nice. Good stories with live radio my favorite live radio story ever <coughs> is still when uh i was working on with dick devos in 2006 and he did uh he was doing detroit radio i'm not talking about paul w smith i'm talking about detroit radio <coughs> and uh he was doing a, a show with mcfoolish i what's the rest of the there's like three guys somebody somebody in mcfoolish i think was the, the radio show <laughs> And uh, they were just making fun of him, and he didn't get it. <coughs> and uh, <laughs> they they ask at one point, they go, "Hey, yo, Dick, you wearing them Air Force Ones?" And his response was, "You know, I actually have been on Air Force One. Yeah, it was an honor. I I was able to fly. I've I've been able to fly with uh, both President Bush and his father, uh, <laughs> President uh, George H. W. Bush. It was, it was certainly an honor. It's a one as a pilot myself. Oh <laughs> Start going to the story, and I'm uh, sitting on my BlackBerry, just uh, e- sending emails like." I, I have no control over this. This isn't my fault. Please don't fire me. You know, it, was, it was pretty awesome. He was not wearing those Air Force Ones. So what would you give Fleetwood Mac, Joe? You've said nothing all day. Yeah. So oh. let's you, we got to get you in here. Just give us a quick oh, review. No. They were good. Um, Stevie still have it? Stevie was really good. Uh, the, the coolest part was um, the drummer, uh, Fleetwood, of Fleetwood Mac, did this they did this this song called World is Turning and like everyone left except the drummer and this other percussion guy and they did this insane like 15 minute drum solo back and forth thing but it was this weird call and response thing where he's got a mic on and he's like doing his drum stuff but like also screaming at the audience but he was I, I had I maybe picked up 20% of whatever he was saying like it was completely completely nonsensical it just it made it, it, I have no. It, it may have been English. I don't know, but <laughs> people loved it, and it was it was fun. It was a good show. Do we want to play Misconnections? No. Okay. <laughs> there was a young lady at the concert. Yeah. Oh, really? Who caught Joe's eye from a distance? Snuck out yeah. early. Snuck but. out early. <laughs> That's <interesting>. my life. <laughs> okay. Well, on that note. <clears throat> Anna, thank you for being with us today, and good luck to you in your new job, and uh, congratulations on wrapping up your old one. Anna Heaton has been our guest on the Cold Oatmeal podcast. Um, check out Brian Western and Pete Mowry, westernmowry.com, Nick Piazza, nickpiazza.com. Uh, check out their music, and check us out on iTunes um, and at reshstrategies.com. Uh, this is Matt Resch and the Resch Strategies team. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>